Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome back. Well, last month, Kareem Benzema signed a contract with Saudi champions Al-Itihad in what would be one of many big names signing with Saudi clubs during this summer transfer window. So with seemingly no shortage of funds, uh, the Saudi league has gone all in. They have become a massive player in the transfer market. So we decided to take a closer look at the Saudi Pro League and the current makeup of, uh, of some of these clubs that have bolstered their rosters significantly with some very, very big names. So we're going to start uh, with Al Nasser, which is Cristiano Ronaldo's team. And um, here's a look. He joined the club um, earlier this year. He signed a contract through 2025. But this is a look at uh, some of the guys on, on this roster. We've got David Ospina from Napoli, Seco Fofano from Lyon. Alex Deyes from Sevilla and uh, Marcelo Brozovic from Inter Milan. Uh, what do you what do you make of this roster, Nico, for Al Nasser? Well, Seco Fofana, who had an incredible season at Lens, was ready for a next step, a big step in in Europe to graduate from uh, Lens. Who's going to be playing in Europe and and Lons competed for the uh, yeah, league. Yeah. They were up there for a really long time. But he finally got that move. He's always looked for. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's what that's what Saudi Arabia can do. Yeah, and it. I think it begs the question, and and this this panel right here is the wrong audience to ask, but I'd like to like ask my friends, throw it in the group chat, and be like, are you guys more willing to watch Saudi Pro League or more willing to watch Major League Soccer? Hey, Nikos. Yeah, now, but now, now, now with Messi, I think the equation is a little bit more balanced. Mm. I don't know in which direction, um, but they're putting together very com- like just attractive teams. I don't know competitive teams, but uh, fun, fun to watch because it stars all around. That's five DPS. If well, it's- China did the same thing. How'd that work? Not to this extent. Not to this extent. They did. They, with, and with managers as well, I would even say the managers were bigger name people than the players. But th- this, we've never seen this before. This is, money can is buy you anything you want. We'll see. Do you think it's sustainable? Would you, if it I, was... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know if players are going to be happy playing in, in the Saudi Pro League. Because I, 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 the difference is that they're getting all these players in... A, not all these players. A lot of these players are in their prime at a good age. They wouldn't. They wouldn't if they had the choice. 
they wouldn't be going. If they had another place I was offering that same amount of, of, of money, they would stay in Europe. Well, that's what they have to do. Right? I mean, to, to, who's offering these guys this amount of money? Right, so that, that's what they can do. Now, how many times have we talked about Sako Fafana on this show before today? No one's offering these guys that kind of money. You got to take we, it. We talked about him. You did on probably Golasso's show. Maybe we brought him no, up no, no. once when we were talking about loans. Talked, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. But for me, what stands out is a player like Koulibaly. He goes there, and he's the, the reason for him going is, yes, the money, but he's saying what he can bring back to his country. Sure. To, to help people and build infrastructure and mm -hmm. for people who are disabled. That, to me... How could you how could you fault him for that? Yep. I don't think you fault any of these players for going there. No. You know, look, if, you continue If any career. of us were in that situation, yeah, I think yeah. I know the decision that we would make. I'm right. fairly common. Chuck Chuck said it. And, you yeah, know, I'll, like, yeah. And, yeah. and I'll, I'm on the plane. Absolutely. And I'll fly myself, bro. I'm, I'm on the plane. And yeah. Comfort plus, baby. I'm on my way. You look you look at these teams that not only are they competing domestically, mm -hmm. but internationally, you can see them on CBS in the Asian Champions League. For AFC, if they end up winning and then make a Club World Cup, they're suddenly become much more competitive than they used to. Look at Al-Hilal recently in the Club World yeah. Cup. They got all the way to the final in February against Real Madrid. Well, they topped Flamengo. So it's a matter of, hey, maybe it's not just competing here, but if you looked at a, a stacked team, I don't know if we're going to take a look at the we other are, teams. We are, we are. Let's, uh, like, let's example, pull like up Al -Hilal, the Al-Hilal. Who's, who's the most historic club in Saudi Arabia, look probably. Look at this, though. You, you put players, you put a team together. Mm. And this is the team where Messi was going to go. Jorge mm -hmm. Jesus, to me, is the biggest name here as their manager. And, and they, they're still probably going to make a big signing because they had all that money that first was going to be destined to, towards Messi. Then they're going after Mbappé. Probably looks like it's not going to go through. Wait until they make a splash. It's it's kind of it's kind so, of Igalo. Igalo also plays yeah. for them. Remember him from Watford? <laughs> He also yeah. plays there. Jorge Jesus just came on, by the way. He was in Turkey, mm -hmm. um, and he left Fenerbahce. There was an, they had an Argentine manager, Ramon Diaz, who was a historic manager in Argentina, managed River, uh, played with Maradona um, and the Argentine national team back in the day. Um, and he just left. So they, they know how to bring in internationals and have success all hello. They've done it for, for a while now. I mean, the question is though, you know, like, what is the what is the cohesion? You know, like, does it, you bring in these in these pieces, like, but does it actually translate to results on the field? I mean, that's, that's the only the reason question. you get you get these big names, and yeah. it all looks good on paper, but I'll, you just I'll, never I'll, know. I'll, I'll, I don't think they been bad. They had they had Mosa Marega. I don't know if he's still there. The Portuguese striker that uh, played for Porto for very long. They had Luciano Vieto, an, an Argentine playmaker that would be like. You're a very good Argentine playmaker in the MLS. I would put him like up there with like Lucho Acosta, for example. Mm. Didn't Santi Casola play with uh, mm, Al I know he. Andre Carrillo, the Peruvian winger. The only reason I'm interested in all of this is whoever wins is going to play in the FIFA Club World Cup, mm -hmm. and that's going to happen on the, in on U.S. soil. So it sure is. You'll get a chance to see and one of these teams. Probably, probably more teams because that's an expanded Club World Cup. Right. So it'll probably be a couple of Saudi teams. Yeah. Um, let's look at uh, Karim Benzema's side, El Itihad, and some of the, the players that they have brought in, which includes uh, mm. oh, Kante. I, did, I didn't even Jota. know Jota, Jota went. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That deal was finalized. So. Yeah. I mean, Kante and Benzema <laughs> were at the end of their career. 
given that they're world class, they still at the end of their career. So Jota is one who is trying, was trying to work his way into a, a big club. I mean, Celtics a massive club, but a big in a big league. And this is one of those moves where he's like, I'm, I'm taking the bag. He, yeah, he worked his way into a bag. Is what yeah. he did. So, I mean, good for him. It, it, I, I always felt if I was in my prime, and if I'm at a big club and I'm competing. I'm not going to make one of those money moves. Hmm. I, I always had that something inside me telling, I wanted to get the best out of, out of my ability. And for some guys, they say, playing at a Real Madrid or, or Barcelona or a, a top Champions League club in Italy, Bundesliga, English Premier League, I'm going to stay in that environment in my prime because I want to compete for a Ballon d'Or. I want to compete for a Champions League title versus... I'm gonna, I'll put that aside. I'm just gonna go straight for the bag. So, Jota, secure, for example, secure my family's it, future. There's a moment. Is there a moment where you realize you're not that good? Because yes. Jota, yes. Jota at Celtic, he was good. He had moments, but he wasn't the best player at Celtic. No, and there were times where he came off the bench. Right. So, is there a moment where you say, "Hey, maybe I'm not gonna end up making that jump to yes. a top European yes. team"? And let's how about, take the bag. How about you come back from your injury, your rehab? Arsenal says, we want you. Arsenal, your childhood club, your favorite mm -hmm. club, says, we want you. We'll give you 5000 a week. And Alit Tahad comes over and says, we'll give you. They're not going to give you 5000 a week. For one. I'm just saying, Let's follow say, me. It's your favorite right. club. 5000 a week. Alit Tahad says, we'll give you 100000 a week. You're coming back from your injury. You know this is probably your last big contract, mm -hmm. right, age-wise. Mm. Which one do you take? Your childhood favorite club or you take the bag? In that position. You guys Can we put sick. the cameras on both of these guys real quick? You guys are sick. There we go. You are what sick. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, in that case. Oh 100 bags God. a week, five bags a week. Yeah. You're taking the 100 bags a week. My guy. And we go into the club in Riyadh, you feel me? <laughs> yes. Yo. I won't be. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed Not here. me. I'm not included. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um, all right, guys. We're going to take a break. Um, we are previewing some League's Cup matches uh, that are happening tonight on the other side. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Welcome back. More League's Cup action to look forward to tonight. Here's a look at the matches on tap. We've got Chivas taking on Cincinnati FC. Minnesota United are up against Chicago Fire. Nashville SC against Toluca and Club America versus St. Louis City. You can watch all of these matches on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, there's some fun ones in here, mm -hmm. guys. How about this Chivas Cincinnati mm. yes. match, right? Because both teams in league play are doing pretty darn well. So I feel like this is gonna be, there's gonna be some spice out there. This is a great test for Cincinnati. Yeah. It also helps prepare them for what's gonna happen in the postseason in Major League Soccer. So I think for Alexis Vega coming at a, a back line of Miazga and Mosquera, 
Hagland, this is a good test for Cincinnati to see how they can adjust to, to, to Chivas. And on the flip side, Lucho Acosta, Brendan Vasquez, you, you got to deliver against big opponents. So this is a team that is three matches in, in Liga Amekis, three wins. Mm -hmm. they're, they're start off with a bang. Chivas is one of those teams that could win this competition. So if Cincinnati can put up, put up a good result at home, I think it'll give them a big confidence boost. As a reminder, Chivas played in the Liga MX final just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And they started off the Apertura rolling. Usually teams that get to a final and have a shorter preseason don't have that same form that they had towards the end of the season. And I think that's a lot of credit to Velko Paunovic. It's a lot of credit to uh, Fernando Hierro, Real Madrid legend, who's another sporting director of Chivas. They've done a really good job this year of solidifying this team, but not only that, giving it an identity. So I think League's Cup, this is the essence of League's Cup. You get the best in Mexico, you get the best in the US. It's, it's, a, it's a fun game. Like the messy games aside, these are the ones, these two mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about are, are the ones that are most attractive to me. Why are you guys making faces? I like this. This is a... Uh, no, I love... This is, I love when you get into it. <laughs> we it's were, fun. Yeah. This, is, this is where you really see where Liga MX and, and MLS are at in, in that battle yeah, so between the, the two leagues. The essence of is, the competition this yes. is, right here. This is, so how, how, would you, how would you rate... Um, I, I'd be interested to see kind of like a full screen of like all the results and how MLS teams have fared against... Liga MX teams in this tournament because there's been a lot of chirping um, from some MLS sides. Minnesota? Being like Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, beating Puebla 4-0, I mean, it's a, that's a statement. I, I don't believe Puebla is a very good team. But here we go. Here we go. Head-to-head -head wins. 63 okay. goals through 14 matches? Okay. Okay. Wow. This is interesting. So this is, uh, this is actually some pretty glaring numbers, Charlie. Yeah, but we also have to take into consideration that all of these matches are played on U.S. soil. You don't say. So, had this been reversed and all MLS teams were play, clubs were playing in Mexico, I don't think we would be seeing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, given that, though, True. given that, because you have to bring context into this conversation, because you can easily look at the stats and numbers and go, Oh, MLS is by far right. the better league and have the better teams. And Mexico's back lines are horrible. No. It, you, th there's the travel aspect. This is the, yes. Well, and we saw the Leon team get stranded oh in the gosh. Vancouver airport they, ahead and, of their and galaxy. They, they and they ended up winning. winning. I, yeah. So far, there have been mostly Liga MX versus MLS matchups that have not been so even. It's either an MLS team is better than the Liga MX team or the Liga MX team is better than the MLS team. Look at the games last night, for example, Monterrey, Tigres, Leon. I think Leon is a better team than LA Galaxy right now for sure. And all the Liga MX teams won. One. And earlier in the day, you got uh, the Philadelphia Union smashing Querétaro, for example. Revolution smashing, smashing. San Luis. This is this Minnesota is, smashing Puebla. For the sake of parody, this is as close as we get tonight. Okay. Or, Tij or Tijuana got smashed too, right? Um, I know Toronto did. 
final one, CFC. <laughs> You've been waiting to talk about it. Uh, yeah, like, we hey, didn't get talk to it during New York City FC. Go ahead. The tire fire I mean, that is coming. You know, it was a good training I know session. it's got to be such a difficult match to play against this huh. TFC team. Uh, you got a new striker, <laughs> the uh, the Algerian Monsef Bakrar. Uh, got a got a goal, played. Um, Richie Ledesma looked good. Uh, Santi looked incredible. Uh, come on now. Okay, no, we'll give you. We'll Five give you goals? your credit. Five goals. Wins a win. Five to Yeah, I, I do want to chat about this. Uh, <laughs> come on, wow. I, Sorry, we don't have a we don't have a Rioni on our team, but we're doing pretty good. I'm not best friends with the coach either. <laughs> I don't sit in the radio booth and call every game like you do, but I could watch the game. Five goals to nothing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Especially when we couldn't score or they wouldn't allow us to count our goals. There are 20 seconds that I can't get back when I'm trying to yeah, talk about St. Louis. I want to talk about St. Louis and Club America. Because this is another, this is another uh, really kind of tasty matchup between two, two solid teams for St. Louis. They are in their, their inaugural MLS season. I believe they are currently still sitting on top of the Western Conference standings um, as it is right now. Obviously, we're not in MLS play. Um, but for them, I think that if you are able to do well in this tournament, if you are able to get hardware in your first year in existence in MLS, what a statement that would make Charlie. I just, and I, and I feel like St. Louis is the type of team, I think that they have proven, I know you sat right there mm -hmm. and have been hating on St. Louis <laughs> for <laughs> a while, but I know that you've kind of changed your tune a little bit. Yes. And they do appear to be a team um, that can accomplish some big things in year one. In terms of expectations in your inaugural season at this stage, no, my, mind you, they didn't have any big names they have surpassed all my expectations. I, I think everyone's expectations. They've been super competitive. They've been consistent. The, mm. the intensity. Now, the way that they play, is that sustainable throughout the, the, the year? Because, I mean, so far, so, so good. Far, it's been incredible to watch. But um, when you guys were gone, I said I devoured my words. You devoured? Because of St. Louis. I thought they were going to, at one point. Did you? You yeah, said, I said I, I had to walk it back. On camera? Yeah, I devoured my oh, words. Wow. They have proved me wrong significantly. They've been, they've been impressive, man. They have. And America, America's going to pose a, a great test. Yeah. Because they've added uh, Luis Quinones in, mm -hmm. into the lineup. Uh, and they have a new coach. Obviously, after moving on from, from Diego Ortiz, Diego Tan Ortiz, they've looked dynamic. They've only played two games in Liga MX. One they, win, they, one they, loss. They lost the first one. But the last game I saw against Puebla with Kevin Alvarez, a new right back that played on the national team mm -hmm. right before Gold Cup, they blew Puebla out of the water. They were, they were impressive. It's exciting. I'm I'm thrilled for for St. Louis. We saw uh, Bradley Carnell in uh, at All Star. All Star. Do you know what he said? He was like, "I'll never forget our interview." He was like, "I feel like that set the tone." And I was like, "That's right, Bradley." Wow. Carnell. So in a very small way, I am responsible for all of their success. Nice. This season. No, not at all. Five. Not at all. Not at all. But it was very sweet of him to to remember that conversation. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm low key cheering for St. Louis. I'm sure Ian feels the same. Even way. though I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't go there. All right, we're going to take a break. Jenny Chu is going to be back with some headlines on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, 
you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back. We'll talk about good timing. This is a fan at the Inter Miami <laughs> match and just rolls into Drive Pink Stadium as this happens. <laughs> I was watching this with my boys <laughs> and they couldn't believe how good Leo, Leo Messi is, right? Just carving people up. Oh my gosh, what a, what a way to start with Inter Miami. Two games, three goals, just absolutely balling. What does that say about just <laughs> one, the type of player he is? Yeah. And and two, the opponents. Like he he's just on another level. Let's just let's just talk about Messi. Let's just talk about how good Messi is. To, to be fair to Major League yeah. Soccer before we yeah. go out and venture and make these big picture conclusions, he's only played one Major League Soccer team and Cruz Azul was dead last in in Liga MX and don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing what Messi has done because Messi is extraordinary and whoever knows me knows that what I think of Messi. I think we can draw big picture conclusions towards the end of the season and sure. see how Inter-Miami takes these remaining, what, 12 games we've said that they are in the regular, in, in, season, in the regular yeah. season because they're going to need to strive close to perfection if they want to make playoffs. I think they have to probably win nine, eight Eight out of the 12. It's a lot to ask for a team that has, hasn't won. They probably don't even have eight but games under their belt. To, to, to be honest, I'm not surprised that they smacked up Atlanta. Atlanta aren't a good team. They're not a good team. They're not a great team, and defensively is their biggest weakness. So, yeah, that's, you're going you're gonna to find a and, lot of... And uh, their midfield is soft. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I did ask Felipe the question, if this continues, what does that say about MLS? And also, you need to start opening those purse strings up a little bit so you can get better players. Because it's, it's great to have Messi in the league, but it's not a good look to have Messi just running and rampant. Jorge Mas has been probably one of the main advocates amongst the owners to open up more DP slots. So, And Busquets has been quality because I know there are a number of, uh, of, of people who thought because he doesn't have the pace or quickness or, or strength in a super athletic league that he's gonna have a difficult time adjusting. And people are gonna have a difficult time moving and getting into those spaces that he would typically find you. Nope. Well, they also haven't, this is, they played both of their matches in Miami. They haven't had to experience the, the travel that is involved yeah. in an MLS schedule. I mean, it's not easy. It's, it's, it, you know it's a great better start. than anyone. It's I, a phenomenal well, start. Let's see how they respond once adversity comes. Absolutely. I, I hope and I hope for Messi. This is not like a challenge, just a slight on on Air Miami, because clearly my city, one of my favorite players ever. Uh, I hope I hope they can respond. I hope this is the right direction towards facing adversity and overcoming well, it because they the, haven't been the, able to the without best, Messi. The best thing outside of Messi and Busquets is that the level of play around the entire team comes up and, and now expectations it. rise your first touch your movement you can see a Kramaski a Robert Taylor that their game is only getting better because it's a result of Messi and Busquets and I want to be playing under Tata Martino hmm. I have to show that I have the brain to play with these guys not so much the technique although you have to have that I have, I have to have the brain to know where to be, when to be, and how to get the most out of playing with Busquets and Messi. Yeah, no, 
MLS and Messi. It's only, only good MLS-y. things. Emilesi, Emilesi. What do you think of that one, Jenny? Emilesi. Or <laughs> you guys always it... throw at me with these funny things. I like it. Yeah, Gracias. I like it. There was another one I heard, and I can't remember. I'll think of it, and I'll Didn't get back to you. Didn't you invent Emilesi? I thought I did. You, you did. I'm pretty but... sure you did. No, Wait, you did. Wait, guys, I just want to say that I watched Messi's first match live, like Nico did. We didn't catch a picture together, but I was there as well. And the one thing about Sergio Busquets, which we watch him on television, we know what he can do. He's obviously proved himself. But the way that he runs, I'm like, this is not the top-level athlete. Like, we, we talk about it, you know, as, as the obvious. I'm like, there's no way. And then he does some crazy creative thing where his vision, and he places the ball there. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. That's yeah. what he does. Said yeah. Google skits. I'm excited to see more of him because Oof. really just watching him run, I'm like, special players. He has it. He still has it. After days of waiting, Jordan Henderson's move to Saudi Pro League side Al-Etifak was finally officially announced. The English midfielder completed his $15 million transfer from Liverpool and will reunite with his old teammate and captain Steven Gerrard. Henderson led Liverpool to their sixth Champions League in 2019, the Premier League title in 2020, and won the Domestic Cup double two seasons back. Henderson posted his goodbye to Liverpool fans on social media yesterday, saying, It's hard to put these last 12 years into words. It's even harder to say goodbye. I will always be a red until the day I die. Another Saudi league transfer news, Kylian Mbappe has rejected Al-Hilal's attempt to meet with him to discuss a proposed $1 billion deal. According to multiple reports, Al-Hilal representatives traveled to Paris to complete the $66 million transfer for Brazilian winger Malcolm and had intended to meet with Mbappe to present their offer of up to $776 million for one year. But Mbappe reportedly passed on the offer and the chance to meet. While Al-Hilal didn't have luck convincing Mbappe to join them, the Saudi club is making more progress with one of his PSG teammates. According to multiple reports, Al-Hilal is closing in on a move for Italian midfielder Marco Verratti, though their offer is still well below the nine-figure fee PSG is seeking for the 30-year-old. Verratti would join an Al-Hilal midfielder that has already, midfield that has already added big money signings, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and Ruben Neves. And we go from Saudi Arabia to Italy, where newly promoted Genoa has added some attacking firepower for their return to Serie A. Italian national team striker Matteo Rettegi has completed a $13 million transfer from Boca Juniors. Rettegi made headlines last year when he passed on a chance for playing for his native Argentina to represent the Italian national team. He has earned three caps for the Azzurri since making his debut last year, scoring twice. In other Serie A transfer news, details continue to emerge from the messy collapse of Romelu Lukaku's attempted return to Inter Milan. The Belgian striker reportedly attempted to negotiate with Juventus despite having repeatedly stated a desire to rejoin Inter, a development that led Inter to end its attempts to buy Lukaku from Chelsea. Now Inter star Lautaro Martinez has shed some more light on the situation, admitting to being disappointed with Lukaku for negotiating with Juventus. Martinez also revealed that he and fellow Inter teammates had attempted to contact Lukaku to discuss his club future, but Lukaku has ignored their calls. Inter has moved on to other striker targets, including U.S. men's national team striker Flo Balogun, while Lukaku's club future remains in limbo. Charlie, I don't know if I'm buying this entire story, to be honest. Uh, are we supposed to believe that Lukaku is just the absolute villain here, or is Inter covering for not really wanting him back and having to spend that money, want somebody younger, not in their 30s? What do you make of all this entire mess? Well, if I'm Lukaku, there's a price set, Chelsea said, probably upset. Hey, you can leave for this number. Inter, we're probably privy to that number. Yet, Inter have not come for that number, as in we don't desperately want you to be a part of this team. We don't need you to be a person. So for any player in that situation who doesn't want to be at Chelsea, 
I, I want my representatives to go out and get me an opportunity so I can play for a top club where I can still compete. And if it just so happens to be that Juve is the, the team that is interested in my services, then guess what? I'm, I'm going to go because that's where I, I want to play. So I don't fault him for that at all. And if, if Inter fans or feel that he's betraying them, that's not the case at all. If anything, the club is spinning it that way so it works in their fa favor. But Lukaku is just a player who wants to get playing time and wants to play. That's it. Hmm? It's interesting. We'll see. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. Um, Allie Krieger is joining. Allie. Oh. Alexis Guerreros is so excited. She's been on yes, your podcast. The homie. I know. She came on my podcast last yeah. year. She's one of the coolest, coolest people I've ever encountered. And um, yeah, she's going to be on Morning Footy after a break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, in a career that has spanned over 18 years, Allie Krieger has accomplished so much. She has represented the U.S. in three World Cups, winning two of them in 2015 and 2019, and collecting 108 caps with the women's national team. She's currently playing for Gotham FC in what will be her final season. Say it ain't so. All while being a mother of two adorable kids and one half of the most fashionable couple <laughs> in all of sports. Yes, you yes. heard it from me. Um, we are absolutely thrilled to welcome in Allie Krieger, Allie, welcome to Morning Footy. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Uh, we, you, we've been talking about it. We've been so, so pumped to talk to you because you've come on both my podcast and Alexis's podcast. Yes. And one of my, our most downloaded episodes, I think, was the one that we had with you. So I just have to give you a big, a big thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. No, yeah. It was so much fun chatting and Alexis that I feel like we go way back now. Yeah, we're the homies. The funniest yeah, guest we we've are. ever had on our show. And that's including Trevor yeah. Noah. Including yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, I said guest. I mean, come on, Ali. You know, <laughs> World Cups and everything, but... Who's yeah. going to be funny to me? For all of you. So thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, okay, so Ali, we've uh, been talking all show about the U.S.'s performance against the Netherlands last night, a 1-1 yeah. draw. Um, as, as somebody who is so close to that, that team, have won World Cups with them, what did you make of that performance last night? I think, you know, it wasn't our best uh, first half of football that I've, that I've seen us play. Um, so that was, you know, I thought Netherlands came out. Uh, we started the game strong, but then Netherlands came out and, you know, uh, were pinging balls around us. I feel like they were finding the gaps in between the lines really well. And uh, then they scored an early goal. I mean, early, meaning 17th minute. But it, it seemed early for us because we're not necessarily on that side of things uh, that often in the first half. So, I thought, you know, I was a, a bit nervous throughout because I can't really control anything. I'm not <laughs> physically there to be able to help. And I'm not, you know, physically there to be able to vocally help on the sidelines. So it's a bit uncomfortable now. This is like the first experience I've had not being there. So um, that was an adjustment. But I do think the Netherlands is, are, you know, are a really good team. Excuse me, a really good team. And we came out um, in the second half a lot better and more organized. Um, and then we kind of put them on their on their back feet. So uh, it, it was, you know, a better second half. Hopefully we can carry that second half into the rest of the tournament. Ali, what's your setup like watching these games? Are you at home? Are you with friends? And the fact that you can't control things, are you like yelling at the TV? Are you grabbing a pillow? Are you, are you freaking out? Are you calm? What's that experience like? 
Yeah, a little bit of both. I'm more calm, uh, cool, calm, and collected. But then when someone, you know, hits the ball out of bounds or makes a missed pass or, you know, um, doesn't shoot on target, I'm like, you know, kind of yelling and uh, a bit a bit upset um, because I know how good we can be. And so, you know, I do think that uh, the players have been doing well under the circumstances and being in a new environment, especially a lot of these younger players jumping in into these new roles. Um, so it's actually, it's been really enjoyable to watch, but I do get a little upset, you know, um, obviously just like any of us do when we're playing um, out there and, you, you know, the, the little details aren't as perfect as I think they could be. Do you but swear? That, I'm so proud of the team. And, yeah, it's really exciting to see everybody, um, you know, doing well as of now. Ali, uh, are you surprised that Vlaco hasn't gone to the bench more often when looking at the squad? Because I, I look at Ashley Sanchez and, and Lynn Williams, Alyssa Thompson, even Megan Rapino for, for that matter, are not getting an, an opportunity to come into the game and change it because – we all know Rose Lavelle is, is a baller, and she comes in the game, but it felt like he could have taken a couple more risks, and it seems like he was playing safe. Uh, what would you like to see? Well, I agree with you. I think that that, that game yesterday needed a little bit more experience, um, in, especially into the second half, to really lift the team and um, possibly win the game. And so I, I value Lynn Williams a lot. I think she can. she's such a threat. Uh, as a defender myself, playing against her every day, I'm like, oh, you know, I need to like, actually bring my best because this is going to be – this is going to be tough. Um, so she, she, I think, can get in behind. She can get in between the lines. She's been doing fair. She's been doing so well for us, carrying the team on her back. Has seven goals in the league, and so I thought she would be able to, you know, bring that into the tournament. And um, I do think she could have been used. Um, Pino, obviously, jumping into the game, she brings that individual magic as always, and that leadership, which I think is really important. Um, and then again, I agree with you with Sanchez. I do think she's, you know, um, very you know, individually uh, technical and uh, she can change game and she can create opportunities in the final third that I think we weren't seeing yesterday. And so I, I hope that moving forward, he gives these players a chance um, because I, I was a bit surprised that, you know, there were only, um, I guess, one sub yesterday. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, yep. You know, Rose came in and that was it. And yes, she elevated the game. But I do agree with you. I, I really hope to see a Lynn Williams, even in the nine, you know, because they're so our front six are so versatile. They can interchange, and you know, even Trinity Robin can go in the nine. Sophia Smith can go in the nine. Um, Alex can play wide. So I, I just I, I hope that you know, moving forward into the next game, that we see you know some changes. Coach Krieger, I like it. I agree <laughs> with everything you've said. I do want to ask, from your perspective, you've played in these games, and now you're watching this World Cup. What are yeah. what are your thoughts on some of the questions that or some of the comments that people are making about how the U.S. are no longer the athletically dominant, uh, that other nations aren't that scared of us, other nations have developed talent that can compete with us? Do you see the same thing? Are you seeing a field that is different from what you saw when you played? Yeah, a little bit. It's not better or worse. It's just different. I feel like there's more investment, first and foremost, into, uh, you know, the federations around the world. And so you're getting, uh, you know, with more investment comes uh, better resources and quality uh, amongst not only the players, but the staff and the facilities and so on and so forth. And so the travel, the accommodations, everything is elevated. And so then you're going to get the best out of your players because, one, your players are being treated like professionals and, two, the players are happy. So they're going to give the best that they have every single day, uh, along with the staff. And so I see that as, you know, the bigger picture. Um, and then two, yes, uh, the 
you know, players around the world are, um, you know, playing in uh, Champions League. They're playing consistently 10 months out of the year uh, or 11 months out of the year uh, overseas. And their model is, is set up fairly well. I played there for five and a half years. So uh, a lot of the younger players, um, like 16, 17 year olds are in the first team playing Champions League. So I do think that, you know, their model is 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 uh, benefiting. Uh, a lot of their national team players now because they're forced and put kind of into the fire at such an early age that they're able to compete at this high level um, and not really be, you know, fearful of playing on the world's biggest stage. And now everyone is going to bring their best game against the U.S. It's just um, undoubtedly that's how every every team is. So no matter what, no matter who we play, we know that they're going to bring their best game against the U.S. And so you have to show up and you have to be ready to roll your sleeves up and get after it no matter who it is. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Teams are catching up. Teams are very technical now. Um, it's not only our athletic ability that is going to win us games. It's just the mentality and the versatility uh, of what we can bring. Well, Allie, in news that we never, ever wanted to hear, you announced that this season with Gotham FC would be your final season. You're retiring at the end oh, of it. No. I know. Oh, it's awful. Just one more year. You look year. like you're getting younger. One more year. year. One more year. <laughs> 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 money talks. You know, money talks. So I, I just... You know, having the career that you've had, what what's kind of, what what has been your approach in this in this final season? What are some of the moments that you're you're kind of taking a pause and and wanting to to take it all in? What what's this final season been like for you so far? Yes, it's been incredible. Uh, thank you for asking. It's um, you know it's kind of surreal. I feel like 17 years has kind of flown by. Um, you know, I talked to some of our rookies and they're like, "Yeah, this is my you know this is like my eighth game," and I'm like, "Well." And Yasmin is, you know, I know this is like her third season and I'm thinking to myself, where was I in my third season? Um, but anyway, it's been incredible. I'm trying to soak every training session in, um, every game in, even though uh, I'm chasing around those, you know, 20 year olds and just... Um, you know, trying not to get beat uh, that easily. But um, it's been really enjoyable. We're doing really well. So that also helps uh, the season, um, you know, for me to just really enjoy it. Um, and then another thing is important for me is to give back to the fans who have been so supportive over the years. And so seeing them at every stadium, um, you know, and, and cheering cheering us on and, and seeing all the signs and the old, old Krieger U.S. jerseys um, have, has been really incredible for me. So I'm trying to give them as much as I can, um, you know, back for all the support that they've given me over the years. And that's something that I really value uh, throughout my career. Uh, Allie, we are forever fans of yours. We are we are so appreciative of your time this morning. Thanks so much for, for joining us. And all the best in whatever is next. We can't wait to watch. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I hope you all have a great rest of the day. All right, guys, here's a look at your Thursday footy fix in women's World Cup action. We have Argentina taking on Argentina. South Africa at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight on FS1. And we also have England versus South Denmark. 4.30 a.m. That's when I wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for <laughs> South Africa. For South Africa. South Africa. Oh, boy. Um, guys, what do we think? I mean, England, only a 1-0 win over Haiti. What are we expecting to see? against Denmark? Mm, I think uh, tea's going to get spilled. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Meaning? 
They're going to lose. Okay. They're going to lose against Denmark? No. They're going to see it out. Okay. England? Yeah. England, England, England wins. wins. England win. All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the soccer. Let's do it again. Ian Mañana. Sophia for Jack.